This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Ringgit and Cents on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Cents, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Boon. Have you ever been asked to be a guarantor for someone else's loan? Often it could be a partner or relative who asks, but nowadays, even some friends or work colleagues will ask you. Usually, it's a bit difficult to refuse, and you'd be surprised at just how many of us often agree to be a guarantor without even thinking about the long-term consequences. But what are these consequences, and what's the risk to being someone's guarantor? How should you respond when you're being asked to be a guarantor? Joining me to discuss this is Farah Shuhada Zali, a partner of Dispute Resolution with Zul Rafik and Partners. Good morning, Farah. Thank you for joining us. Let's start off with my first question. What is a guarantor and how do you become a guarantor? Um, well, simply put, a guarantor is basically someone who provides a guarantee, usually in the form of payment for someone else for a specific purpose. For instance, housing loan or study loan or car loan. So when, let's say, you want to take out a housing loan, but perhaps your own credit rating and things like that is not uh, strong enough, the bank may require you to actually um, provide a, a second name or third name even as a guarantor for your as a guarantee for your loan. So that guarantor, in the event that you default in your payment obligations towards the bank, the bank can then make a demand for the amount outstanding to your guarantor. Okay, so how does one usually become a guarantor? It, does the person approach you with a contract or do they have to talk to you and then prepare a contract? What's the process like? Yeah, I think it, it, it all depends on what kind of uh, loan you're talking about and the amount involved and things like that. Most of the time, it would require you to actually sign a contract. So usually you'll have a relative or your own children for their study loans and things like that approaching you and say, look, I need a guarantor. Can you provide a name? You would need to sign a consent form or... Um, at the very least, it will be like a simple consent form to be a guarantor or it will be a full-blown guarantee agreement which will actually spell out all the terms and conditions of the guarantee. And are there different types? Are there various types of guarantor? I've come across the word social versus non-social guarantor. Oh, yeah. So in Malaysia, um, I think guarantors can broadly uh, be categorized into two, is what you have mentioned, social and non-social guarantor. So a social guarantor um, is actually specifically defined in our Insolvency Act as someone who provides guarantee for for loans that are not for profit, for instance, uh, scholarship or grant of education, higher purchase transaction or housing loan. Um, So so these are basically um, social guarantors. Um, If you are a social guarantor, um, no bankruptcy action can actually be commenced against the social guarantor. So this is some of the protection that is provided under the new Insolvency Act. Whereas a non-social guarantor is basically um, a guarantor that does not fall into any of the categories that I mentioned earlier. Um, So usually that'll be for business. For instance, you're taking out a business loan or you are guaranteeing the performance of a project. You know, you have like a construction business company and then you get your friend who has substantial assets or something like that or fellow director of a company to actually become a guarantor. Um, So that would not fall under the definition of a social guarantor, basically. Okay. So what kind of rights and liabilities do you have before and after you sign the agreement to be a guarantor? Um, well, in terms of before you become a guarantor, I, I wouldn't say it's more so much on the rights, but it would be more on the things that you should be aware of. I think ensure, but you, of course, I think um, 
if if the amount that you are guaranteeing is substantial enough, I think you should, uh, as far as practicable, try to obtain legal advice on your exposure and the risk um, of your liability as a guarantor. Um, make sure that you know the person who's obtaining the loan and the real purpose why he or she is actually getting the loan in the first place and try to ascertain the, the, the person's capability to actually pay off the loan in the first place. You know, you should not, I think as a general rule, become a guarantor for people that you are not very familiar with. Like, remember just now you mentioned that sometimes even your colleagues who you, you know, just met in your office and things like that ask you to be a guarantor. Try to avoid from those kind of uh, being a guarantor for people that you don't really know. You have the right to also know the details of the loan. The tenure, the amount, interest chargeable, and things like that. So all this, you actually have the right to know. Um, after you have actually become a guarantor in terms of uh, liability, um, it would very much depend on the wording of the guarantee document. You would normally not be liable for a change in the amount uh, in respect of the loan. Let's say they took up a loan for 10000 and you guaranteed the amount of 10000 If subsequently there's an increase and things like that, you will generally not be liable unless there are specific provisions in your agreement that says that you can be liable for any increases and things like that. But as a general rule also in such circumstance where there is any changes, you should also be notified and, and you should consent um, in the event that there's any changes um, and then you can also under some circumstances especially if you are actually guaranteeing say a business loan for a friend and things like that you can actually stop being a guarantor um, you know if there's some changes in your financial circumstances provided or only under but if you want to stop you actually need to get the consent of all the parties involved meaning um, the primary borrower has to consent to it the bank has to consent to it and things like that because sometimes let's say when you be, agree to become a guarantor you don't really have much um, commitments you know you tell your friend oh okay I can guarantee up to about 1 million and then you decide look I need to buy assets I need to do this and that um, so then you can approach you can always approach your friend and say look can I can I stop being a guarantor and things like that provided there's no there's no default yet um, you know, these kind of things can be renegotiated and they can then get the new guarantor on board and things like that. And you also, in the event that uh, the primary borrower actually default in the payment obligation, um, let's say if the bank goes up to you and you actually make payment for the amount that you guarantee, you actually have the right to sue back or seek indemnity against the primary borrower for the amount that you paid up. So what kind of recourse do you have uh, to compel the person that you're guaranteeing you to pay back their debts if they're not paying it back? Can you go to the police? Can you talk to the bank? What can you do? I think if you actually know the I, I don't think, I mean, uh, it wouldn't be the police. Uh, so I suppose if, you, if you're a guarantor, I think one of the good things is that you should, uh, the prudent step is for you to actually monitor uh, the repayment schedules, uh, whether this person is actually making regular payments and things like that. If you do know that this person is actually um, having trouble paying and things like that, I think it would be good um, because you're supposed to be familiar, right? And you know and have on friendly terms with the people that you are guaranteeing the loan for. So I think um, to, because you know that the banks will chase after you if they default. So help out that person, you know, there is also, there's the AKPK, agency counselling, you know, make sure they get the, the right 
right or proper financial advice and counselling to get out of a situation. And maybe they can then renegotiate uh, with the banks or financial institutions to restructure their loans uh, so that the amount of repayment is going to be lower and things like that. So this will actually minimise um, your risk, but also, but this will only be only be applicable if you are actually on friendly terms with that person, and that person would actually listen to your advice in the first place, lah. So if you if you are not really in touch with the primary borrower, and um, you know you most of the times people don't really know until they have really defaulted, like you know several months behind uh, their loan repayment, and or a worst case scenario, only after the loan has been terminated. Would the guarantor actually find out that they they are basically in areas? Can you maybe get out of being a guarantor? Is there any ways to do that? Uh, except for that person itself that you have been guaranteeing releases you? Yeah, I think once you have actually signed an agreement to where you agree to be a guarantor, as, as I mentioned just now, you can only stop being a guarantor with the consent of all the parties involved. So where, where there is already an event of default uh, or where the primary borrower is already behind in their repayment schedule, it's very unlikely that the bank will let you go off that easily. Um, so under those circumstances, I don't think there is a way out except for the fact that either A, you must make sure that the primary borrower gets help and restructure their loan or B, you just have to gear up and be ready to actually have to make payment of the amount that you have guaranteed to pay. And what's the process like? How many payments does the person that you've been guaranteeing have to miss before the bank or whoever that they're owing money to come to you, approach you? And does it usually happen by letter or does someone show up before your house? I mean, how does that process work? Um, it all depends on, on the banks. Um, I do believe that usually... Uh, most banks would require uh, or rather would, would give a grace period. You know, you miss one payment, they don't automatically terminate it the next month and things like that. You know, uh, I, I believe as a general uh, practice, you the primary borrower would have to be in areas of at least two to three months before the bank will then say, look, uh, we know we're going to terminate um, this uh, your, your loan agreement. And when the, what happens is when the bank terminates it, then their entire amount, and owing will usually uh, become payable. So under those circumstances, the banks will then usually, uh, usually issue a letter of demand to the primary borrower. Most of the time, if there's a guarantor involved, uh, the guarantor will at the very least be copied, um, if not uh, be issued with a separate specific notice, notifying them that, look, the primary borrower is in default. Uh, we are. We have already terminated it and we have already made a demand. We are giving you notice that uh, they are in default and if they fail to pay, then we are going to come to you or look to you to for, for the outstanding amount. So usually there will be a notice. And does it mean that you are taking on that person's loan in the same terms or conditions or are you allowed to renegotiate the terms and conditions to suit maybe your capabilities to repay the loan? Well, your liability to pay the amount outstanding will be subject to the terms of your guarantee um, agreement or your your letter of guarantee, as as the case may be. So it all depends there. But I think in the in in circumstances where the primary borrower is in default and they have no means to pay, as a guarantor, you can always approach the banks. Um, you know, I mean, especially in these times, you know, very difficult times during COVID, a lot of people are actually affected. I think most banks are quite open um, to negotiate in terms of payment. Um, you know, maybe 
longer repayment schedules and things like that. So you can always negotiate on on the on the payment schedules um, in the event that uh, a demand is actually made against you. But if you don't negotiate, let's say you ignore the notice, um, you know that you don't come uh, you don't come forward to the bank, you don't want to own up to the notice and things like that. Then the bank may then proceed. Um, to actually uh, proceed with legal action to, to recover the amount of standing. And we're going to take a short break for some messages. But before that, like it or not, the future of work is in reskilling and upskilling. And it's not just for those new to the workforce, it's for everyone who has a career. And that's what we're talking about in the third episode of our Futurescape webinar series, The Future of Skills. Join the live discussion with industry experts, Professor Laura Dana Padurin, Associate Dean for the Asia School of Business, Jeff Sandu, Head of 42KL at Sunway iLabs, and Anne Thumb, Founder and CEO of Ace Adventure. It's happening today, 21st of October at 1.30pm on BFM Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube Live. Find out more at bfm.my slash futurescapes. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, and I'm Sim Boon. And with me today is Farah Shuhada Razali, a partner in dispute resolution at Zorafik and Partners. And today's topic is about being a guarantor. What are the risks associated with it, and what you should know before you become one? Okay, Farah. My next question: In your experience, why do people mostly become guarantors? Maybe you know, do you do you have any examples of common cases of people becoming guarantors? Um, well, most circumstances, people become guarantors for, for their family members. You know, someone you know, your nephew, your niece, your own children have to, they, they, they want to go study overseas, you know, and, and this costs a lot of money. So obviously, you want to give that person the chance, a better chance of getting the best kind of education. And especially if they actually manage to secure, uh, you know, uh, an offer from a very reputable universities and things like that. So you want to give them that that opportunity. So most family members would actually agree without any hesitation to actually guarantee these kind of loans. Um, other circumstances, it will usually be like promises, you know, like friends, you, me, friends, you know, you know me, I, I can pay, you know the other person, you know that friend, you've known him for 10 to 20 years, you know that him or her has, um, you know, a very steady job and things like that and should not have any problem repaying the loans. Um, so you agree to actually become a guarantor. Um, other circumstances, maybe you may want to start off on your own business, small business, and then um, you need to take up some loan from the bank to as, as a capital for your business. Or you, you have a small business, um, but you have actually agreed to take on a particular project or a, a supply agreement, for instance. And some companies, especially big companies, would actually require you or to provide a guarantee for the supply or guarantee for even the construction of the project, a certain amount of the value of the total project. So under those circumstances, if you are a director of your own company, you know, you would then provide a personal guarantee for your own company to actually get the project in the first place with the hope that you would actually complete the project and, and get the profit and not have to um, be in default or, you know, be sued as a guarantor and things like that. You know, with all that said, then what are the some of the risks that come with becoming a guarantor? What what do you think people should know about when you become a guarantor? The biggest risk, uh, if you if you become a guarantor, is uh, if your primary borrower is unable to pay or is in default of their payment obligation, then that would, at the very least, it would actually affect your own credit credit rating. Um, you can be made a bankrupt. Um, you know, if the bank actually proceeds with legal action against you and cut. 
um, you know, or the, the bank these days would actually have to to try to exhaust their all the legal actions and recovery against the primary borrower. But if having taken all those actions, the amount that they managed to recover is still not enough, you can also be sued and then you know your assets can be repossessed or auctioned off and things like that to satisfy the amount outstanding. So these are some of the main risks um, in being a guarantor, basically. And what do you think are the mistakes that people often make when they decide to become a guarantor? I think um, one of the most common mistakes will be that they people tend to just sign off uh, a guarantee agreement blindly without realizing the extent of risk or exposure where it involves um, uh, an exposure basically um, and and basically I think generally you should avoid from being a guarantor especially if it's for a project or a business that you don't know of or have no ability to monitor in the first place you know for instance like um, we had a client who basically became a guarantor for his friend's company his friend basically got a construction contract so he was supposed to actually construct uh, you know certain buildings and things like that so this um, client of ours actually became a guarantor for that project and he actually didn't realize that he the, his, his guarantee would have covered the entire project sum and, and, and the amount was astronomical and he was in no position to pay. At the end of the day, his uh, friend's company became wound up. So obviously, the banks could not recover any money and they didn't have any assets that the banks could actually recover or, or liquidate. And eventually, um, the bank had no choice but to sue the guarantors. For the amount outstanding and the, and because the guarantors also did not have any means to pay or enough assets to actually pay the outstanding amount they eventually became bankrupts so what do you think people often misunderstand then about being a guarantor i think i've heard that you people are often scared that you can be one without your consent no i i think generally if you if you are going to be a guarantor you have to there has to be a consent on your part uh, you have to sign and and agree i don't know sometimes these days you have uh, verbal contracts and things like that but that uh, has to be particularized properly um, but most of the time uh, there would be a, a document that you would have to consent and sign in order to be a guarantor you can't just suddenly become a guarantor unless of course someone forges your signature but that's a separate issue altogether so what kind of advice do you have uh, for someone who has recently been being asked to be a guarantor what do you want to tell them to look out for well i think um it's easier to say try to avoid from being a guarantor, but I think that can't be avoided. I mean, unfortunately, in our day-to-day -day relationship with people and businesses and things like that. So I think um, one of the main things that you should make sure you know and um, is that you must make sure that you know and understand what you are signing for. For example, what is the loan amount? the period of repayment, the number of guarantors, are you the sole guarantor or is there another guarantor, uh, you know, uh, beside you? And if there are two or three guarantors, are your exposures um, equal, you know, or are you jointly and severally liable for the amount outstanding? Um, and as far as possible, try to make sure that you actually have the means to pay for this amount that you are guaranteeing without affecting your own livelihood. You say you're, you're guaranteeing a 100,000 loan, then make sure that you, you can, uh, in the worst case scenario, um, 
you know, renegotiate a payment and pay the banks in installment, or you have an asset that can be liquidated to actually pay off that amount, rather than you know all your, having all your assets being sold off to actually satisfy the loan amount. Um, and then I think you should also try to make sure that the person that you are guaranteeing or the company that you are you know helping to guarantee a project and things like that always pay their debt or uh, are duly performing whatever their obligations are under their contract. You know, try to keep track of the repayment schedule and contract and things like that. Um, and if you are on the other side of the coin where you are actually looking for a guarantor, someone to guarantee your loan, then I would say that uh, please honor your promise. You know, remember that uh, your guarantor, your friend or family member is actually taking a big risk in helping you out in the first place. So you should do your very best not to default in your obligations. What kind of advice do you have for someone that is going to approach someone that they, to ask them to be their guarantor? I, I think usually... Well, with this kind of circumstances, I think um, when when someone approaches you to become a guarantor, more often than not, you would have a good relationship or very familiar relationship with the other person. So if you want a person to actually be your guarantor, number one, I think it would be good if you can actually explain to the other person, um, you know, why is it you you need him or her to actually uh, become your guarantor? Why are you, you know... Why is your loan not being approved without a guarantor and things like that? Get that person involved, explain um, and and give them some reassurance that um, you would not default in your obligations and things like that. So I think a, a lot of it I think depends on on the trust and and relationship between the parties. So if if you trust that person only, I, I would suggest that uh, only be, agree to become a guarantor for people that you really know, and um, for people that you can really trust. And that's all the time we have for Ringgit and Sense. I have been speaking to Farah Shuhada Razali, a partner in dispute resolution at Zul Rafik and Partners. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.